Good afternoon. It is Tuesday, November 15th, and this is time for the Midday Magazine news portion. I'm Julie Hersey. Sika Assembly is moving forward with a long-planned seaplane project, and while new estimates project the cost at more than double the original predictions, the Assembly's going for a fully realized project as opposed to a more affordable, scaled-back option. Catherine Rose has this report. The existing seaplane base is more than 50 years old, and long-standing plans to replace the aging infrastructure are finally moving forward. And while the price tag is higher, the city plans to cover most of the construction and the land purchase with federal grant money. In September, Public Works Director Mike Harmon told the Assembly that the project could end up costing more than double their original estimates. At its last meeting... Harmon brought several options to the Assembly for consideration. A full-scale project totaling $38 million, or a scaled-back project with a $28 million price tag. With either option, the city would cover a 6% match, just over $2 million for the bigger project, or around $1.5 million for the scaled-back version, a difference of around $600,000. Several community members voiced support for the full build-out. Skylar Mace works for Insara, heading the Coho Enhancement Project on Deer Lake on the other side of Baranoff Island. He said float planes were crucial to their work. They fly year-round for the troll fleet and spend over $50,000 on aviation. And the access we have right now compared to other areas in southeast is pretty poor. I guess I fully support a full plan for this as it directly affects my job and a lot of people in the community and it would be a lot greater or it'd be a lot more problematic for how our project operates if we didn't have aircraft services and assembly members lined up behind the full build out too member kevin mosher said six hundred thousand dollars was a lot of money but not when you were leveraging it for another 10 million and he believed they shouldn't delay the project any longer the federal government is spending a lot of money right now in infrastructure for this country. This isn't going to last forever. We don't know when we're going to get this kind of opportunity again. And I see this as building something that, for the future that will last many years to come. Assembly member Rebecca Hemshute believed the smaller project would be less attractive overall for float plane operators. So if we do anything less than the full build, we run the risk of people not finding it um, enticing to use our facility and choosing instead to go somewhere else or choosing, yeah, not to fly here. So I think that's a really important factor. Ultimately, the assembly unanimously approved the full build-out. Afterwards, Baronautica owner Kevin Mulligan said he was both surprised and overjoyed that it finally passed. It's going to be a great opportunity for Sitka. We're going to go from having the worst seaplane facility in Southeast to the nicest one. Right now, Mulligan is the only float plane operator providing transportation services in Sitka. Yeah, there's times that I didn't even want to get in the plane and I'd go out flying and, you know, bring somebody to the hospital or somebody needs to go see their family if there's a death in the family or something or Thanksgiving's coming up and then this weather is just changes in minutes and to have other operators out there just for backup is just... It's just really important. It's really exciting. If approved on final reading, the $2.1 million in matching funds will be drawn from the city's general fund to purchase the land and move forward with the project. 
But Mayor Stephen Eisenbeis said he hoped the city would create a separate enterprise fund for the seaplane base in the future. I want to make sure that the user fees are enough to cover the maintenance of the facility, um, especially with this one being directed at a a pretty specific group. Um, While we will have people utilizing the the freight services and the ferry services, um, you know, I, I just want to make sure that we can replace this facility in the future and then when stuff breaks that we're able to go down and fix it. The Assembly will consider the project funding on final reading at its next regular meeting on November 22nd. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Catherine Rose. Multimedia artist Ashley Lore has a solo show this month at Clawson Memorial Museum. It's Lore's 13th solo show in town, and this one showcases her paintings, both acrylic and digital, but it also features her jewelry, displayed as their own works of art. Rachel Cassandra visited Lore in her studio while she created some of her enameled earrings. Ashley Lore is an artist, an art teacher, and a mother, and her enamel earrings are so popular that she sells them online. So she carves out solo creative time whenever she can. I wake up at 5, I walk the dog, and then I come down in my cold shop, and I turn my heater on, and I start working. Laura's shop is attached to her house. She and her husband share the studio. His half has woodworking tools. Her side has an antique metal desk. It's piled with stencils and plastic jars with powders of all colors. She shows me the copper plates that act as a base for her enamel earrings. They're all in little baggies. So I have over 40 different shapes that I can pick from. And we'll start with these long ovals. First, she always uses what she calls a counter enamel on the back of the earring. You want to put a a layer on the back so that you can protect your design on the front and make your work stronger. Once she applies and heats that, she drops it into a jewelry acid solution. That cleans any carbon off the front of the plate. Then she can apply the colored enamel powders that will make up the design of the earring. I have egg yellow. What goes really well with that is a green. So let's go with the aquamarine here. So I'm sifting on the aquamarine right now. I'm using my small sifter. I mean, they're kind of like, oh my gosh, (laughs) like the tiniest dollhouse pastry (laughs) sifter. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, they're pretty cute. Laura carefully places the earrings on metal trivets atop kiln bricks. She takes out her butane torch and lets the flames lick the bottom of the copper plate. I am firing. It goes through three phases. It goes through a sugar phase where the surface looks like granular sugar, and then it goes to orange peel, and then it goes to smooth. It kind of reminds me of melting snow. So the whole piece of metal glows orange. (laughs) Yes, it does. As the enamel cools, it turns into its final resting colors. This pair looks almost like a rusty brown fading into an aqua color at the top. In the middle, the two enamels mix into a golden band. I am into the abstract, mostly focusing on elements of color and shape. If you create a team of colors and then those, you know, each color has a specific role and they bounce off of each other in some kind of a way. After Laura has her base of colors, she usually adds more complexity with another layer. I want to challenge myself to figure out how I can squeeze one more color on there, one more shape on there, to the point where it's almost chaotic, but it's not because it works together. Um, That's how I work with my paintings and my digital work, too. Laura uses all kinds of found objects as stencils to add shapes to her jewelry. I've got some keys. There's the washers. I have plenty of washers. 
you know, I have two young kids, and then when they find a washer, a flat washer while we're out walking, they pick it up and they say, Mommy, I got this for you. And it's, you know, they, they know what I'm looking for. They've got, like, they're tuned into my brain. I pick out a piece of metal with a chunky zigzag on the bottom edge for Laura to use. I like the ghosty one. But this one? Yeah. Yep. Okay, going with it. Okay, so in my head, I'm thinking right now, what colors do I want to use? I like clover pink a lot. Let's go with clover pink. Laura takes the stencil and lays it on top of the earring over the enamel base. It has, it almost looks like if you if you take the, the top part away, it almost looks like the silhouette of dinosaur teeth or, you know, spikes from like Devil's Club or something. So I'm going to lay that on there. I have to hold it really still. Laura uses tweezers to move the hot earrings onto her ceramic tile to cool. There's now a dusty pink toothy shape overlaid on the rust yellow and aqua background. It's just like what Laura talked about, a team of bold colors teetering on the brink of chaos. In Petersburg, I'm Rachel Cassandra. Ashley Lore's solo show called Chromatic Currents will be up at the Claussen Museum in Petersburg through this Friday. And you can find her work online at therosyfin.com. Some Wrangell residents are using their lunch times to learn the critically endangered Clinket language. Sage Smiley reports Wrangell's tribe is sponsoring a year of beginning Clinket classes for adults. A good Clinket speaker will spray some spit, says Juan Lane, Virginia Oliver. Katea, this Katea. is me. Katea. And then my name, Clinket. I am not in the Clinket language. What I'm saying to you is Katea. And you see the high tones. Oliver stands in front of a tall whiteboard propped between windows at the Tribal Cultural Center on Wrangell's Front Street. Adults of all ages are scattered across two long rows of folding tables facing the board. Across the back of the room, behind the students, a weathered totem pole stretches the length of the building, awaiting restoration. Do a sock. I see all of your guys' clinket brains, your wheels grinding. This lunchtime class is the first of a 37-week course put on by Wrangell's tribal government. The Wrangell Cooperative Association's $82,000 federal grant will pay for almost a year of Flinket instruction and study materials, lunch for students, and travel for elders like Juno-based Kakhlat, Florence Mark Sheikli, to come visit and share language, lead sewing classes, and play Flinket bingo. The focus of the first class is introductions. You guys got the first part of that. You have to a sock. And then you're either a boach, which is a wolf, or you're a gate, which is what? Raven. And so na is the moiety. The is personalizing it to you. Na and then chet is me. City, and that means it, it's just so. City. Over the next weeks, she says students will learn the whole Tlingit alphabet. The most important thing about Tlingit is learning the alphabet. Your teacher will tell you, tell them the vowels, tell them the alphabet. 
Oliver says it's been almost a decade since the community held adult blanket classes. The last time was a cultural history revitalization project when students recorded blanket phrase of the week clips, which air on local radio station KSTK throughout the year. The result was this project to help with the survival and renewal of the blanket language and wrangle surrounding our seasons and our way of life. This is Wrangle's Tlingit Phrase of the Week. Wrangle Public School students have opportunities to study Tlingit, but Tribal Administrator Ashtseen Esther Reese says there wasn't a public class in town for adults until now. Reese says before the pandemic, Oliver taught classes for the tribe. And people were coming and saying, well, can we join? Can we participate? And so we put this grant together um, so to enable the adults in our community to come together, learn the Klingit language, and learn a little bit more about the culture. Wrangell Kachchanak sits at the mouth of the Stikine River, which is the anglicized version of Stachin, Stach meaning bitter, and Hin meaning river. Words also aren't just words, Oliver explains. Klingit is a very relational language. The word for salt is also the word for ocean, and so on. The language carries the culture and history. Without the language, the culture dies. Oliver gestures to an illustrated poster resting on the totem pole at the back of the room. She explains some Klingit clans are all but extinct. So there's some of the clans that are gone. Not from memory, I always put them on there. I've had people say, they're not even here anymore. Why would you put them on there? Because to me, they were here. Tlingit language revitalization and recognition projects are underway all over Wrangell Island. In addition to the funding for adult Tlingit classes, Wrangell Public School students have the opportunity to learn the language. And one Wrangell High School student has been producing a Tlingit language and culture podcast. Wrangell's tribe has also received money to replace the town's road signs with dual language markers. One of the grocery stores also recently debuted Tlingit signs for departments throughout the store. And because of the lunchtime language class, there should be a growing group of Wrangell residents who can read, understand, and translate the phrases scattered throughout town. The language persists. In Wrangell, Kachchanak, Tleitkach, Einach, Sage Smiley, Yuchatuasak. That concludes the news portion of Midday Magazine for this Tuesday, the 15th day of November.